Hello, everybody. After a bit of a long delay, apologies. We are finally back with myself and Carlos. Hello, you, Carlos. I'm very good. Very, very good. How are you? I'm fine. Yes, uh, all good. Unfortunately, like I say, we did have a delay, which is something we wanted to avoid in future. But uh, yeah, it's all my fault. Basically, <laughs> if I'm honest with everybody, don't be so hard on yourself, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm without going into too much detail. I'm currently in, in the process of uh, hopefully finding a new job. Excellent. And that's that's taking up a bit of time in my schedule and my life at the moment. So unfortunately, our weekly podcast episodes have been slightly hesitated due to that you've that not had is preposterous dean how dare your personal <laughs> life get in the I way know. of this i'm sorry listeners that's shocking isn't it <laughs> that i would i would actually not put you at the front of my priorities yeah but um hopefully all wrapped up soon Ooh. all things going well Ooh. we uh we will wait and see but yes then we can be back to our normal schedule of non-stop weekly episodes for you all most fabulous most fabulous yes. And due to that, I think this week's episode is going to go in slightly a different direction to maybe what we've been used to in the past, uh, due to the fact that I haven't really had much time to be checking much stuff out during the weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're probably I have no go... excuse, but neither have I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is This might be a bit ironic. loose, this one. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just throw some balls up in the air and see what lands. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do a, have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can get to, uh, get to, like say, long form conversation, Joe Rogan levels of, let's, let's make yeah. this a three hour episode. Why not? <laughs> of, of rambling Why not? amongst ourselves. There's a couple of things that I did that I, I would like to talk about and get your opinion on perhaps, um, mm-hmm. but there's nothing really that uh, I've got a lot of things in progress right now. That's where I'm at, and I don't. So I started reading Preacher um, by Garth Ennis. And oh yeah, I am into it, um, but I have not finished the series yet. So well, I've there. I'm reading the first of what will be two big omnibus editions, yeah. collecting thirty three issues each. Okay, thus the whole series. And I'm on about issue 10 at the moment. I'm going slow because I'm reading a few things right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Um, yeah, I loved that when I, I read it all. The ones yeah. I binged the whole lot. Yeah. And yeah, I loved it from start to finish. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to know your overall opinions after experiencing the comic and then maybe checking out Seth Rogen's the TV adaptation. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of where... I have mixed feelings about that. I have I have friends of mine that are okay. more supportive of it than I am, mm-hmm. uh, and it certainly has its moments. Like I, I've I've enjoyed some seasons. I've really enjoyed particular performances from certain cast members, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I think the spirit of what I what really resonated with me with the comic right. isn't quite there in the show, in my opinion. Although it does do some pretty offbeat, unusual stuff. Uh, do you think and it tries, but I don't know if it really hits the nail on the head. Right. Do you think maybe it's it. just a thing of Seth Rogan's, we'll say, not his interpretation, but what he got out of it, uh, just could wasn't be. I guess everybody's different. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe his experience of reading it 
growing up, I imagine he probably read it when he was uh, sort of a teen or something, mm-hmm. but uh, like most people probably did. Yeah. Um, but maybe he just got a different energy from it than I did. I, yeah. uh, with um, uh, Garth Ennis' sort of stuff in general, I don't know. I, I, I think I've had a chat with you about this before that I kind mm. of like, he resonates with me on quite a poignant level at times. His stuff feels quite personal and he kind yeah. of deals with sort of human relationships in a really what feels to me like a really sort of personal way that it's quite it's coming from somewhere quite true and I, I like that about his stuff but then surrounding that is like what is fairly sort of I guess tea, ad, not an adolescent humour but you know, there's, Lord. There's, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's that you know it's dick jokes it's vulgarity it's kind of like it's a bit punk it's a bit kind of in your face it's a bit subversive and silly but yeah. I think that overshadows really the heart of what's going on underneath, which I like. And I don't think that there's quite that heart underneath mm-hmm. the TV series. Okay. Whereas all the other stuff is there. You know, it's fun, it's shocking, it's enjoyable, it's silly, it's a bit crazy. Yeah. So it, it ticks all those boxes, but it's missing the spirit of it a little the, bit. The emotional spirit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. Because I am... Um, and recently enough, I kind of dropped reading The Boys, which... I know I texted you and I, I said I thought it was shite, but I don't think it's shite. <laughs> <laughs> that was just my reaction of finishing that particular issue. And I was like, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought I would. Um, but what I found with the boys was just maybe it's because I watched the TV show first um, that I thought they handled the subject matter in a more subtle way on the TV show. So all the the, the commentary that it had to do with we'll say corporate capitalism, corporate values in America, marketing, what what corporations would really do if superheroes existed, all that kind of um, mm-hmm. little bit of commentary, plus the relationships between little Huey, who is coming from a certain trauma, and Butcher, who was also coming from his own trauma and how they differ in their approach to this in their revenge, shall we say? Yeah. Um, and who caused that pain to them and how they how they differ in that. To me, that came across very well on the show. And at the moment in the comic, at least where I left it, I only left it 20 odd issues in and I know it's like 60 something. So I'm barely a third of the way through it. Um, and yeah. I will go back to it. But so far, I just find it's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't, I don't want to repeat all those things that he says. (laughs) And just, there are moments that feel gratuitous that I'm like, okay, I know he's a bad person. I know he's a bit fucked up, but you don't need to tell me in every single panel and show me all the obscene things that he's doing like i get the point and then it gets to a yeah. stage where it feels like oh wouldn't it be cool if he said this because it's like 15 mm-hmm. year old humor or something but i know it's there for a point <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh and when we had that chat before as well i did mention to you denied that um i think you said to me that they're one-offs but there mm. are in particular two storylines which when i went the whole omnibus series and I kind of got yeah. to the end then they added so much emotional weight to me 
yeah. that it completely changed my overall experience of the story as a whole. And when it came to the end, like I was, I have no shame in saying I welled up towards the end of that book. And, yeah. uh, you know, I had I had that much of a connection with it at the end. And uh, I, another, we keep saying, a friend of ours, <laughs> he knows who he is. Uh, also, after that, I recommended it to him and he read it all the way through and he had the same, a similar experience. Like it, he, he yeah. enjoyed it immensely as well. So, but he also feels similar to you about the strengths of the show as well so i mean hmm. i guess everybody just takes it differently really with all these yeah, things no, but, I, um, I, see what i think what i think i need to do is blast through it all um and mm-hmm. focus on that because what i tend to do when i'm reading things is i read like four or five things at one time and then i kind of settle on one thing until i finish it and then i go back to the other four i do yeah and okay, i weed through stuff that way so yeah. I think I was reading, while I was reading The Boys, I was reading DMZ, which is another kind of indie comic. Um, Okay. I was reading at the time the Star Wars, the Marvel Star Wars reboot era from 2015, which is actually a lot of fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nothing too special. But it's a lot of fun. And that was a good 75 issues of stuff. And it was all, uh, ooh, Obi-Wan Kenobi during the years, you know, between Revenge of the Sith and the original 77 film. Ooh, fun. I'm going to read that. Okay. It was it was fun. It's well written. And it's, one of, it's a writer that I really like as well. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> um, I was reading a few things at the same time as the boys and the boys wasn't grabbing me in its early issues. So I think I let it drop off. And then what happened when I came back to it, as I finished everything else, I read like another two or three issues and it was just dick joke, dick joke, but not like dick joke. It was more like, okay, this person is going to, I don't know, sexually assault that person. And then there's going to be jizz flying everywhere on the page. And I'm like, you know, do I need this every page? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I understand. I get it, yeah. I understand it is, the it point. a bit much. But yeah. Um, I, Don't I, really, just, I, I mentioned Cross to you before. I'd say, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, prepare yourself if you yeah, did read the Cross series. Um, there's so the, much that's great about it, but definitely, like, it, it pulls no punches in that respect of, like, you, you know, like you say, there is a fine line between whether mm. you feel like somebody is pushing censorship within their art form as far as possible to the degree that they're having fun with it and playing with it and being playful and they're not trying yeah. to offend or upset. Yeah. Uh, um, when that treads over the mark a little bit into like, is this gratuitous? Is somebody just doing this for the sake of doing yeah. it? Or it's hard to tell. Like, and, and there's there's some of the most insane, horrific, crazy things you could imagine in that series, like when I've read a few and, of those issues. And, and some of them made me feel a bit bad inside by the time I finished them, in the same way that maybe yeah. watching some like Korean revenge cinema has had that effect on me at times, like certain movies. I've just like left it feeling like physically, emotionally drained and left in a bad place after the experience. But in a way, weirdly respectful of that at the same but at the same time thinking like I wish I hadn't put myself through that. Mm. But I'm almost kind of glad that I did because there's a cathartic thing about that as well. I don't know. That maybe that's I think just it's my opinion. But. Very much a mood thing because I have no problem with vulgarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with cursing. Um and I I my shock 
might shock listeners to hear me say, oh, I saw one too many F words on that page. And like, <laughs> it's not quite the, the point, <laughs> but um, I think it's a mood thing. And I, I think there is an overload when it feels like it might be getting gratuitous or it might just be, oh, look at me putting the word fuck on, in a comic book. And I'm going to do it all the time now because I can. And there's no reason for it. Uh, And it happens as well. He wrote The Punisher for Marvel, which I enjoy parts of that immensely. And other parts just get a little repetitive. But his basic concept for The Punisher before, well, he started off writing a miniseries of Frank Castle in Vietnam. And that's a wonderful story. Um, and it's kind of like, was this killer inside him the whole time? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of, like, the kind of backstory is that his experience in Vietnam made him the way he was. But Garth Ennis wrote this story called Born, uh, focused solely in Vietnam. And he's great at war comics as well. Kind of just about this ambiguity inside Frank Castle's head and it's a great way he it was a great way to start off to his punisher series his punisher max series which was marvel's like adult line of comics yeah where they could say the f word um and kind of have a lot of people's faces getting shot off he loves that i was just talking to our friend about that earlier um <laughs> talking about preacher but the thing about the his concept for the punisher is i'm going to create this character who is simply like karma personified he's like a force of nature so what he does is he introduces you to this wider cast of horrible people and criminals and drug lords and rapists and racists and people in hate organizations and stuff like this and you get to know those characters for a few issues all the while you see frank just kind of walking around or lurking in the background or being present witnessing the obscenities and eventually he'll shoot everyone at the end of that arc and that's Mm -hmm. the concept of his of his punisher series and it goes it's it's about 60 issues and it's really good for a lot of it but there's a lot of really really overly gratuitous violence uh sexual violence you know and and sometimes Sometimes I do think you don't need to show every single thing, you know? Um, mm. And it's not a, it's, it's, a, I'm not a squeamish person whatsoever. And I'm not easily offended. But yeah, sometimes I feel like he kind of sits down and goes, well, how can I be even more shocking on this page just because I can, not because there's a point to it anyway. So yeah. I'm reading Preacher right now. (laughs) I'm not sure if that was the best idea, but I'm actually really enjoying it because I'm finding it similar in a way to his Hellblazer books, which I thought were really good. Uh, Hellblazer, Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, is actually Constantine. People would know it as Constantine. Um, from the Keanu Reeves film about the guy who yeah. hunts demons, which I thought was okay. Because Keanu Reeves is, screams um, 
scouser. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Doesn't he? <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're casting someone. Mm. <laughs> I never tra- I never checked out the did they they did a TV adaptation of Hellblazer at some stage as well, didn't they? Recently, I think. Yeah. Recently enough. And the and guy I, in that yeah. was it all right? Because I, I saw a brief trailer and the guy who was playing him, he came across as occasionally Hollywood t- tends to cast these actors mm. in roles where there's a British character. This yeah. is probably my bias as being British, but uh, yeah, I oh, noticed this a little I bit understand. that there's there's a kind of transatlantic kind of accented actor yeah. that doesn't really sound like he's from anywhere too specific, and really appeals to an American sort of demographic, and they always end up as casting like you know uh, they're like a supporting character in a soap or something like that, or mm. they come in as like the the rock and roll guy. I'm from a rock and roll band from London or something, and they've all got yeah. like you know this '80s style sort Billy of Idol hair. Yeah, they they yeah. did it. They did it with casting someone. What was it the the Sorcerer's Apprentice? What's his name? Um, oh my god, I completely forgot the actor's name. We actually mentioned him recently enough because he's in Servant. Uh, he was in Dead Man's Shoes as well. But that actor in particular, he's cast as that type of persona. And then hmm. David Tennant in um, oh my god, drawing complete uh, complete blank here. Fright Night. Sorry, the the remake yeah. of Fright Night with David Tennant. He again plays that type of even though David Tennant is an incredible actor, what I'm on about is there's a particular type of character that, or a, like a look and a feel that like uh, an American audience seem to give this British yeah. character in something. And it's always this like, I don't know, to me it feels really dated. I don't know where it even comes from. It's so, so. funny because <laughs> like obviously Hellblazer is an American comic. It's, well, mm. it's published by an American company. It's yeah. a very, very British slash Irish vibe um, and the best yeah. writers for Hellblazer over the last 20 years have been either British or Irish um, uh, but at, at least for me you know and I'm sure there's a lot of American comic readers who have liked American writers that have written it but I know that in America people loved the casting of that guy and I, yeah. I, I thought I only ever saw a trailer or like a couple of scenes and I thought it was a little cringy and I would love to see someone like Jamie Cadigan play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like someone who's proper you know? full-on scouse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm with you there. <laughs> Just to get that real, real working-class vibe of the comic. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Garth Dennis is the one. He takes him. He even takes him to Dublin for the first arc, and Constantine finds out that he has cancer, and he has to kind of, you know battle wits with the devil at least at the end and there's a priest in it and he's kind of drinking himself to death and Constantine is smoking himself to death and there's this cool dynamic between him and the priest and it's Mm -hmm. just and it's the dialogue in it feels very Irish slash British sensibility you know Mm -hmm. which I'm sure appeals to American audiences as well but I'm not sure when it comes to casting these people on screen they re- they can really nail it, you know. Yeah, well, but, well, the visual side of it as well with uh, the appearance of Constantine is yeah. uh, it's fun because like he's clearly he's clearly at the time he was drawn by the artist based on Sting. And if you yeah. look if you look at panels and you you actually could just Google image search like Sting from that era, it, it's all it's as bad as to the point where you look like you've just traced over a picture of like. <laughs> sting from NME or some at the time or smash yeah. it or whatever you know it's like it's his face completely yeah uh, and that's what I mean about that kind of like that old maybe that old kind of like 
the idea of perpetuating that kind of 80s iconic kind of like rock star image from mm. the UK that's kind of still it's never kind of left left for some reason the wardrobe and costume department of American sitcoms yeah yeah <laughs> uh, for particular British characters that's just my observation but yeah yeah <laughs> it's a strange one on the theme of adaptations right okay I just saw the other day a trailer for an adaptation that I've been waiting for for quite a while now and that is Sweet Toot on Netflix ah yes you sent me the trailer it looks very interesting yeah it looks good um, now I enjoy adaptations obviously and I love that you know you get to read something and then a couple of years later oh I might get to watch a movie or a TV show of it and it's a fun experience because you'll be able to see that creative team's vision for whatever it was that they read that you also read and you had your feeling with and your experience with and you get to see somebody else's experience with and it's interesting you know and what I found interesting with the Sweet Tooth trailer is that the tone seems to be a little bit less dark shall we say than um than the whimsical bit more yeah yeah, bit more um light-hearted I guess and a bit more I guess kid-friendly which is fair um the original Jeff Lemire comic was also a Vertigo comic which is a publisher that publish things like Hellblazer and Preacher and you know things that are not for kids but I'm actually quite intrigued about the tone for the Netflix show and I think it's quite good because we have that story in the comic in Jeff Lemire's book it's there if you want to read that and you have that experience but I think especially for a TV show surrounding a global pandemic (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like that it it seems to me that the trailer has this kind of hopeful youthful kind of optimism in in the little boy um at least in the tone not that that not that sweet tooth himself who was the little boy in the book isn't hopeful and optimistic he absolutely is but he's kind of the only one who is <laughs> yeah um i like that the tone in general of the show seems to be a bit more whimsical as you say and you know it got me thinking about other potential indie comic series that i would like to see adapted whether difficult or not but i I would like to maybe see a a new interpretation of and i kind of come well i didn't really compile a list i in my head compiled a five titles for you dean that i would like to see do you want to Fanfare. Do you want like a theme tune? We could, we could do like a. I could add in some music for you and a you little could, countdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like a, in a dun, number dun, five. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos's adaptation number three. <laughs> and a little countdown clock for the you know. Number one. Yeah, but anyway. Post. Sorry. No, no, no. Very informally. Very informally. And I'd like to, you know, just. Let's for let's say for example I'll, I'll I'll tell you kind of a brief synopsis about what the the series is if you're not familiar with it or I'm kind of talking to the listener <laughs> and um, maybe I don't know if you would have read some of these as well Dean but I've probably told you about them in the past but what I would like to see 
number one for me now this is in no particular order i know you're supposed you like youtubers are supposed to do this in like five <laughs> down to one but i'm just gonna start with the one that i want most um <laughs> yeah you've, so, you've just given me a very clickbaity title for this podcast now everybody loves a list yeah yeah yeah. Carlos is top five. But to be fair, I'm I'm a fan of these lists myself. I think they're very fun, and I I yeah, who isn't I click onto those <laughs> videos all the time. Anyway, <laughs> it works. Back to the list, Dean. Um, in at number one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to subvert expectations is Saga, of course. Um, of course. Now, Brian K. Vaughan has worked as a screenwriter on TV for Lost which is one of my favourite shows. I know we differ opinions on that. Um, <laughs> uh, but he has said in the past that he doesn't really want Saga to be adapted into anything, and he doesn't think it can. Um, I would disagree. He probably said that when Game of Thrones was in its very early days, and he didn't quite know the possibility of TV. I think Game of Thrones did a lot to push the boundaries of what TV was or what TV is and what was mm -hmm. possible from a kind of long form storytelling with, you know, and even with budget, like if HBO were to pick up something like Saga, I'm sure they could do it. Or, you know, even with something like The Expanse on Amazon Prime, that's a lot of meat um, to have in a TV show. And they, I, you know, from the little snippets that I've seen, I haven't started that yet. It seems quite ambitious in scope. And Saga would be oh, too. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. So I think I would like one of these studios, like maybe Amazon or Apple TV. Not Amazon. Just, let's let's stop with that now for a sec. But maybe, you know, one of these... I think, give it, I think given some of that, maybe the, the sexual nature of some aspects of Saga, mm -hmm. I think you're going to need... You're gonna need a a HBO type of deal yeah. of like you're gonna need some you're gonna need somebody to kind of produce that who's I think so who's not kind of too afraid of sexual subject matter or a certain maturity towards yeah. that like a certain open mindedness which sometimes can scare American studios off. There yes. tends to be a little bit of prudishness there still. Yes, in the yeah, culture. that's very true. <laughs> Slightly. Very true. And just to sum up Saga for anybody who doesn't know, Saga was a series that is only half finished, 54 issues in. They have been on hiatus for three years now, taking a break from it, but they are coming back. And it follows essentially what is a civil war in space between two planets, or a planet and its moon. And there are two soldiers from both sides from opposing sides who fall in love and have a baby and our story is narrated by this baby and i guess the general gist of it would be a little bit of like romeo and juliet forbidden love mixed with space opera fantasy general societal commentary um it kind of there's a little bit of everything in it and I would love to see it because it deals with a lot of issues that you don't see spoken about in that honest, open-minded way, as you said, you know. Um, like it talks about, uh, you know, death, mortality, um, sexuality, 
gender fluidity uh it talks about abortion it talks about you know raising kids in crazy situations it talks about all these things that perhaps you know and not always from a positive or negative light it just kind of discusses possibilities around ideas which is what all the best sci-fi really does and i would love to see it done by yeah, we'll say HBO because I think they would probably have the the balls to to pull it off. Um, but again, not sure Brian yeah. K. Vaughan would would want to give it up. Um, but that's and it has it has some of the most sparkling dialogue, doesn't it? Out of like, yeah. in my opinion, I have any sci-fi in any genre, regardless of sorry, any any format. Sorry, regardless of anything mm. that I would have seen in cinema, in TV. Uh, in literature of any form like it's because because sometimes don't get me wrong that concepts are wonderfully explored in science fiction and sort of ideas are explored in a really fun way and um and then more technical things that you know are intriguingly sort of dealt with but when it comes to kind of like that sense of humanity and like yeah. say that like dialogue that kind of like just sings off the page and it's hilariously funny and it's just full of life and it's just full of lots of really personal, interesting ideas. Zing. I don't think there's anything I've ever really experienced in science fiction that can rival the dialogue in Saga. Like no. it's it's just, it's right up there. And like there's some very... Of the, some of the best dialogue in anything, really. There's very little exposition in it as well. Um mm -hmm he kind of hurtles you through the story and expects you to just kind of you'll get up to speed and you do you know and you'll you'll you you get up to speed with the rules of this world and what's going on there and what everybody's motivations are and what the political climate is of the world and you know he it allows him to play with all these ideas and different cultures and what's accepted in this planet over here and what's not in that planet over there. Kind of like any of the decent Star Trek would have in quite subtle ways. It it, it throws it out in the open, you know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that would be the first one that I'd say. Cool. Um, and to not harp on too much about this list, I'm just, I'll say number two, the one that I thought of was Lazarus, which is written by Greg Rucka. Also published by Image Comics, which is the publisher that kind of lets creators do whatever they want to do, um, yeah. which is cool. It's, it's, it's basically what Vertigo was in the 90s before they, they, they renamed it or scrapped it. But anyway, Lazarus is a show, a show, should be a show. <laughs> you want it to be a show. <laughs> I want it to be a show. Lazarus is a series, also kind of a post- not a post-apocalyptic, what's the word I'm looking for? Dystopian, futuristic sci-fi about a planet Earth uh, that is no longer um, geographically divided into countries. It is geographically divided into controlling family corporations. Okay. And each family has... Um, control over that region and they also have what is called a Lazarus or a defender a protector who they send out on in like infiltration missions to other uh, territories basically mm -hmm. and our Lazarus is her name is forever forever Carlisle she is the Carlisle family Lazarus 
and uh, she's an android. Um, so I think I think all the it's been a while since I've read it, but I think all the Lazar Lazari, I don't know, are androids. But what we get with Forever, they call her Eve, is this kind of struggle of is she human? Is she not? And why is she helping this family that clearly kind of treat her like a sister or a daughter or whatever but then sometimes just use her like a piece of machinery because technically she is and it's really really fascinating and the world building is it in it is incredible um and it's very ambitious in its scope and it's taken a long time for them to finish it because the series is only like 30 something issues in He's been writing it for about seven, eight, nine years now between between that. And he's still nowhere near finished. Um, he says it's probably going to be, he originally said 100 issues, then he said 60. Now we don't know what's going on. There's an issue coming out every six to eight months. It's it's kind of frustrating. It's a little bit like Game of Thrones book situation. <laughs> I was about to mention. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Honestly, to get that story in a more satisfying way, I'd like somebody to, to, to adapt it because I think it would work on, you know, any of these streaming services or something, pump a, pump a bit of money into it, have a creative team, get the creator involved, um, Greg Rucka and, and Michael Lark does the art, um, get them involved and, and really, you know, work at it and maybe it might give them the motivation to finish the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we get two things out of it. We get the show and we get them to finish the book. But anyway, that's the second one. The third one I would like to see is Kill or Be Killed. Um, so Kill or Be Killed is a book by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, who work together all the time. They kind of deal with they're basically known for crime noir. I think I've mentioned them a few times. Um, mm -hmm. They have written things like Criminal. Uh, they wrote the original Winter Soldier storyline um, for Marvel, which was highly acclaimed and had that kind of 70s espionage vibe to it. Um, they created the, the character of the Winter Soldier. Or actually recommissioned Bucky as that character. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, they wrote a book called Killer Be Killed, which centers around a young man who is depressed, dealing with mental health issues, and he tries to commit suicide. And the moment that he does that, the devil appears to him, saves his life, and kind of gives him a deal to help him rediscover what life means, basically. It was really odd, and it's kind of contradictory, but that's what I like about it, because it's the devil doing it. Mm -hmm. But he basically tells him, I will keep you alive if you kill one bad guy a month for the next whatever. And then the book begins. And he kind of learns, he's, he, he, he kind of learns the meaning of life again through the act of killing bad guys. And it's, <laughs> it's a kind of a funny 
take on the concept of vigilanteism in in superhero comics and what what it actually means in the real in the real world and um also like like a twist of psychological horror and a twist of crime noir and it's it's really really good it's really creative um but the best thing about it is just it's it's character centric so you you just root for this guy um because he's kind of down and out he has nothing left to live for and he's living with the girl he's in love with that he's always been in love with and his best mate is now with in a relationship uh, with and he's living with both of them and he's just like ah and it's it's just a very very relatable story because he grounds it with those human moments you know and i would love to see that in a I think it would work as a miniseries, actually. Something like, you know, Defending Jacob or of that ilk. Not that it's the same um, tone or the same vibe or the same kind of story, but yeah. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of vibe. Um, cool. And I'll go through the last two that I had in mind very, very quickly. The other one is East of West by Jonathan Hickman. Again, another dystopian sci-fi. I like my dystopian sci-fi. Um, the concept in this one is really cool. Uh, it's kind of Western, but futuristic. And Jonathan Hickman used to be a graphic designer or an architect or something like that. So his comics have a very crisp, clean kind of look to them. Um, and... It's, it's basically centered on the four horsemen of the apocalypse and death. Um, well, they're looking for death, sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't, it's, it's kind of similar to Lazarus in the sense that, you know, the, the, the world is kind of split up into families controlling certain areas and it's not just set in America, which is cool. Um, it's it kind of shows you what the world is is like at this time, and basically the 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 four horsemen or the three horsemen are looking for death, and death is off doing some crazy stuff. But yeah, read it. It's it's really good, and I would love to see it as a TV show. I think it would be maybe like two parts Westworld, one part. Oh, I don't know what you'd describe it uh two parts westworld maybe i don't know one part the expanse let's say not okay. that it's too sci-fi but anyway mm-hmm. and the last one also by jonathan hickman and i'm gonna say it just because he hasn't finished it and it doesn't seem like he's gonna finish the book because he left it about five years ago and hasn't written anything for it since but the black monday murders which i think is great and I think it's something that we could use now more than ever. It's basically a book where Jonathan Hickman says that capitalism is like a cult. <laughs> and it's all controlled by these demon worshipper families, um, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. So it centers around kind of the big corporate magnates shall we say um who all do these kind of ritualistic 
devil worshipping. They they worship the the demon Mammon or something like that. You know that. Um, anyway, and they control money. That is, and it, like, and and money has this kind of magical power in the book. And the crux of it is just that there's a murder of one of the the kind of the knights of the round table, shall we call them, the knights of the evil round table. So mm-hmm. one of them is murdered, and there's clearly a plot kind of like house of cards to rise to the top of and take control and we our protagonist is basically just the the cop who investigates and he gets further and further drawn into this world of the occult and magic and Hmm. it's all centered around kind of corporate capitalist america which i think is hilarious um and i would love to see that as a a tv show um, so yeah, that was probably number five. <laughs> cool. um, that's my list. That's my list. So I actually did have stuff to talk about today. You did? How about yeah. That? We did quite well. <laughs> you got through a lot of it. Do any of them sound uh, like they might be your cup of tea? Yeah, definitely. Uh, what you went through, I've, I have checked out a couple, but uh, I know mm-hmm. you've mentioned a few titles to me before as well. Mm-hmm. Um on that list that I like the sound of but uh, yeah I'll definitely cool. have to check those out how good. about uh, any adaptations you've been kind of wishing for in the last 10 years or so like something uh, you've read or I we could know. maybe go into a I don't know we'll, we'll see how this goes as a chat uh, here um, we might have a bit of an extra chat for you because I'd be interested to explore this subject in in a little bit more detail now maybe Mm-hmm. Um, so we we uh, we can carry on with that, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, and maybe kind of explore that. And what will be since we've been so short of content for you, maybe an extra little little bonus one we can throw in there as well to kind of Ooh, yeah. make up for things. But um, for this one, I suppose that's a that'll do us for now for <laughs> for this week. I'd say sounds very good. And we can we can carry on exploring. Like I said, I'd be interested to ask you something in particular about that. They go cliffhanger for cliffhanger. anybody who's going to stop this episode right now and they'll be like, oh, no, what's coming next? There you go. You've got a reason to, <laughs> <laughs> to keep listening now for the next episode. But yeah, thank you very much for listening once again. And apologies, as said, about that delay. Uh, and we'll hope you'll all keep listening. And sharing, liking, following and subscribing and doing all that lovely stuff. Good luck with your stuff, Dean. Thank you. Yes. On behalf of <laughs> me and our listeners. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <laughs> I hope to not delay you any further. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, we didn't do much the last week or two in terms of watching new stuff. We didn't have much, you know, we, we thought we didn't have much to talk about. But now we've got a little bit of perhaps a bonus episode if we mm-hmm. want to do a bonus episode so all's good yeah in the hood it is thanks again and chat soon bye bye oh here now don't uh, forget to do all your homework and like and follow and share and <laughs> oh, spread yes. the joy and uh, yeah. if you're feeling generous do do contribute on red circle and do all of that good stuff and we'll see you soon bye bye